Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. So grateful to be here with you, and I'm excited for you to meet our guest today. Um, Our guest is Chris White. Before I get there, I just want to say thank you all for tuning in. I am very, very thankful that you're here. Now, Chris White, I'm excited for this. He is, he's a husband, he's a father, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he is a coach to businesses and a coach to coaches, and he has a ton of wisdom and insight to offer. So with that, Chris, thank you so much for being on here. Welcome to Why Not Me. Fill in the blanks and anything else our listeners should know. <laughs> that was a great introduction. Thanks, Todd. Um, I've been looking forward to sitting down and having a conversation with you. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, right? And, um, you know, the latest company is System and Soul. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a framework for businesses. Um, and uh, that's where my time and attention goes. We're writing a book right now, too. So excited about that. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, really. Pretty simple, pretty simple life. <laughs> uh, so as an, as an entrepreneur myself, it, it occurs to me that if you're a serial entrepreneur, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of simple in any of that. <laughs> when, uh, yeah, well, I, you know, it's funny when I think about that. So System and Soul is, um, sixth company, um, for me. And, uh, um, it's, uh, my primarily I've been sort of in the tech world, but I'm not a programmer. Um, you know, I'm a, my beginnings were, were pretty humble. I worked in my dad's businesses and then, uh, I worked for, uh, Motorola actually. Hmm. Um, it's kind of a funny story. You know, I'm from Chicago and of course, Motorola University is in Schaumburg, Illinois, just north of Chicago. And when, so I, I got hired and I went through Motorola University and uh, I went to work uh, for a uh, uh, communications company in Green Bay. And uh, I was a two-way radio salesman. <laughs> Yeah, I sold two-way radios to police, fire, you know, rescue, um, paper mills, you name it. Um, It was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, actually. I learned a ton, um, you know, about building relationships and, and, um, you know, truly, uh, you know, selling a high-tier product 
um, against you know lower uh, tiered products. Uh, how to how to deal with that? It was a great training ground. It really was a great training ground. I loved every minute of it. Problem is, I got in my thirties and I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> it just I was an order taker and I had some really big accounts: Ford, Honda, GM, Harley Davidson, Miller Brewing Company. I mean, I had a lot of great experiences. Uh, I got to drive a hundred and seventy-six foot U.S. Coast Guard buoy tender in Lake Michigan, but. Um, you know, I just kind of had this little epiphany, you know, I wasn't building anything like my mom and dad or my grandparents. Um, and so I thought, you know, this is great. I'm making really good money. Life is good, but it just, it wasn't challenging enough. And, uh, I got bored and, uh, that's when, um, I sort of had, like I said, the little entrepreneurial epiphany where maybe, I could be an entrepreneur like the people in my family. And so um, a lot of uh, a lot of prayer <laughs> in the decision making process, but ultimately, you know, you got to take that that leap of faith. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about because uh, mm-hmm. you've done it as well, Todd. Um, and uh, I haven't looked back. And it's crazy to think like I never set out to be starting multiple companies and and I, I thought one little company would be nice and here I am you know 20 some odd years later and and starting my sixth company last year that's an incredible journey um I think uh it's, it's interesting you mentioned this you got to this point where you're just kind of bored and and also the sense that you weren't building anything um and uh, it just resonates a little bit there's because there's a time when I felt I was just trading time for money. Like there, there has to be, there yeah. has to be more to it than this. Where's the, where's the impact? Right. Where, what are we creating? So you, you came from a family of entrepreneurs. It sounds like your grandparents, your parents, then you went into sales, rolling along in sales, getting great experience, had this epiphany that, you know what? I think I'm going to do this thing on my own. So you started the first company. When did when did the when did the decision of you know what let's do another one or something else like how how did that transition? We became a multiple startup entrepreneur. Well, it 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 wasn't in the plans, and it came completely unexpectedly. So. My first company, we did, uh, we wrote point of sale software for independent bicycle shops across the U.S. Now, I laugh because back then, um, I really didn't do thorough due diligence because at the time, there might have been a thousand independent bicycle stores that were actually registered, <laughs> and that's not a very large customer base, but we, uh, we focused on um, on that small vertical niche market because nobody else was. And funny enough, we were um, we were competing against a DOS based program. And uh, uh, for those of you that are old enough to remember DOS, you know, pretty bomb proof. But you know, Bill Gates had changed the world, and everything was going PC. And our point of sale software. Um, uh, was going to be way more 
robust and flexible than than the number one program, which was DOS based. So for my first year, you know, I pounded my head on a lot of walls, <laughs> wondering what am I doing, and 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 um, the because the the bicycle shop owners they were really passionate about riding their bikes, working on their bikes, repairing bikes, not so much on running a business. <laughs> like it was feeding their passion. And and so, you know, and they this DOS program was pretty much everywhere. And so in an act of desperation, I actually called the owner of that DOS-based program and I said, hey, Pretty sure you know who I am. I've been calling on your clients, and I've gotten a few, but um, I'd like to offer you our software because we're we we want to leave the industry. Uh, you're the number one player, and we'd like you to. You're going to have to go to PC at some point, and so would you be interested in taking ours over? And the guy laughed, and so I didn't take that very kindly, so it hung up. And uh, a year and a half later, we sold the exclusive rights to our point of sale software for the bike industry to Trek Bicycle Company huh. out of Madison. So Trek, T-R-E-K, uh, uh, largest North American bike manufacturer, Madison, Wisconsin. We worked with them f- for over a year. And um, so we were forced to, uh, like, like, it was a like an amazing thing to happen in a short amount of time. And uh, we learned a lot on that deal um, and we're very proud of it. And of course uh, our software was called Ascend, and, and um, you know, they're, they went worldwide with it. Awesome. So we, uh, yeah, and it was great. And, and, you know, uh, we didn't, we didn't get, um, you know, billions of dollars. Like you see what's going on now, but we, we, we certainly got, uh, it was a very nice deal, and that helped uh, propel our next venture, which we went into electronic medical records for podiatrists. Our our approach was let's continue to look for small vertical niche markets where they're kind of being ignored, and let's go in there and become the number one player. And we did that in the the uh, bicycle industry. So uh, I'm not sure what happened to the old DOS company, uh, but I, I know they're not around. <laughs> Um, so I'm kind of glad he said no to me um, all, all these years later. But we, I had that confidence now from from doing that deal that I, we we just took that momentum and we brought uh, a very interesting um, idea into the medical industry. Um, we had uh, obviously we had inventory control and uh, uh, barcoding in our point of sale software. Mm-hmm. Well. When we did that first deal with Trek, we retained the rights to that code for inventory management and, and barcoding, right? Mm-hmm. We kept that. Mm-hmm. They, could, they used it, but we, we kept the code. So we took that code and we plugged it into our electronic medical records. And we were the first to come into the industry, the medical industry with podiatry, that you could actually um, receive inventory through barcoding. And then you can dispense your products through barcoding and it'll add the codes uh, for Medicare, Medicaid. It was, it was game changer in the industry. And that's what gave us a leg up real quick. Now the software was a electronic note taking. Um, This is way back in the nineties when it was starting. And um, 
so anyway, we, we ended up uh, um, earning our spot over a number of years uh, to get to the top. And then we sold the rights to that software. And then we eventually sold the entire company. And that's when my partner and I, we had two great runs together. Um, but we decided, you know, I wanted to go one way and he went another. And uh, that's when um, uh, I started my third company, uh, which was an online um, medical education company uh, that me and my wife ran. And, um, and then I got introduced to business coaching. I had uh, a former uh, colleague in Connecticut call me and um, he basically said, Hey, will you join my board of directors and my senior leadership team? Uh, we're stuck at 10 million. We got 40 employees. We're not making any money and we can't break through the ceiling of complexity. And, uh, and he said, Chris, we've watched you do it and we'd like you on our team. And uh, I said, okay. And so I sat on their board and their, their, their leadership team for two years and we implemented um, a business framework that helped them get clarity and, 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 and increase discipline and accountability. It was awesome. So from that experience, um, I decided to become an executive coach for my next business. Uh, I felt like I had run the miles. Um, I have the, I have the scars. I got the entrepreneurial scars um, and I've had some successes and failures and uh, I felt like I could, um, uh, I felt like I could be really good at it. Um, I originally went to school to be a high school teacher and a coach. That, that's, 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 it's that simple. I never had big ambitions or anything like that. I mean, I wanted to play pro ball. Um, uh, I had the size and stature uh, but I, I unfortunately was hit by a drunk driver on my senior prom. Wow. And so, um, so I thought, you know, I could stay in high school forever and be a teacher and a coach and be quite happy. And, and so I started down that path um, in college. And then I found out at the time um, I would, my, I would graduate and have this large debt. And I'd, I'd be paid $26,000 a year. And I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> how am I going to, how am I going to survive and build a family and, you know, on 26 grand. So I had a little change of heart. Um, and then, and then my parents got sick, um, actually with cancer. And, um, I, so I left college after my sophomore year to go to work. Um, I didn't want to be a burden on my parents and, so, um, then I lost both my parents and I never went back to school and, and thank God, you know, I got hired by Motorola without a degree. Yeah. 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 yeah it's crazy. Right. I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for education. Um, but, uh, uh, in the entrepreneurial world, um, there's all kinds of stories and success stories of people and, and, um, and their ability to focus and, you know, get after it. So uh, I am a huge proponent of learning. Um, you know, I'm a, as you know, I'm, I'm a voracious reader mm -hmm. and um, I like to stay connected, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite a ride when I, when, as I sit back and think on it now. 
Yeah, so there's a there's a ton to unpack there. I'd like to actually just start with um, this the drunk, getting hit by the drunk driver. So you're you're a senior in high school. I'm assuming your identity is pretty tied to this to, to playing ball at this point. Like like what was that what was that like for you? How did you how did you grow through that? Well, I you know I I uh, I, I I was a meat and potatoes athlete. First and foremost, Todd, um, I, my, uh, the, the guys I played with went on, you know, my friends played, uh, all over Michigan State, Northwestern, Notre Dame. I mean, we, we were, we had a lot of great athletes. I was your meat and potatoes kind of guy, but I definitely, I had the size six, three, you know, over 200 pounds, but, um, uh, I loved basketball, um, and, uh, played a little football as well. But, you know, I, I, when I think back on that, it was as a traumatic event as it was, um, I have come to realize, and I've had some other traumatic accidents, but, you know, I think uh, each one of them, I just had this tap on the shoulder and I didn't realize it until I was a little more, a little older and more mature. you know, in my faith that that was God tapped me on the shoulder, just telling me he's got me. Mm. And, um, and, uh, I know that now, maybe not so much, you know, when I was 18. Um, but it was just, uh, uh, unfortunate thing. Luckily nobody died. Uh, thankfully. And there were, two, you know, there were you know, three cars hit 12 people sent to the hospital, uh, but nobody died. Um, and, uh, my injuries, um, were pretty significant. Uh, I remember, I remember the, the doctor, you know, telling me, he said, look, you're 18. You are a very strong young man. You're going to bounce back. Uh, but you will feel these injuries when you get in your fifties. And, and of course I'm 57 now and I wake up and my knees hurt, my lower back is killing me. Um, but I'm so thankful, uh, you know, that again, everyone survived. I did bounce back. Um, and it was very traumatic, uh, experience. You, you know, you, you see that kind of stuff in movies, right? Right. And, and, and it happened to me and, uh, it's, uh, it was unfortunate. But uh, you learn, you you persevere. You know, going through rehab, like like uh, physical therapy for your injuries uh, and stuff like that, was long and laborious, and and, and uh, progress didn't come as quick as you'd want it to. But in the long run, um, it was uh, uh, you try to turn them into learning moments, right? Right. And, uh, I, I, I was just super thankful that, you know, my girlfriend was in the front seat with me and, you know, uh, uh, she had some broken bones, but nothing, nothing. I don't think there was anybody that, um, what, what I would call was severely injured. Um, we all spent time in the hospital, no doubt. But, um, cause I remember, I remember asking about the other people and there was a young kid and I remember asking about them, but you know, there were multiple ambulances that spread out pretty quickly. Um, but again, for me, um, 
certainly a, a, a thankful and grateful to God to, to that everyone survived it. And um, uh, as horrific as it was, you know, everyone's been able to move on and, and mm-hmm. heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was quite it was quite a thing to happen at, at 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. And so that <clears throat> that would be <clears throat> that'd be a tough journey. And just thinking back to where I was at 18, and, and you know, once you once you're thrown into it, what choice do you have but to but to take the journey, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So then you your folks both got sick at really the same time. So my dad was yeah. sick. my dad was sick for about 16 years and then um he he passed away when I was 24 23 24 um yeah and, and mom's still uh mom's still doing awesome so anyhow I'm sorry for your loss what was sort of have both parents sick at the same time what like what was that like it was horrible i was i was still a young man and and um you know I'm the eighth of eight boys Todd no girls. And, uh, my dad, uh, so my whole family is originally from Detroit and my dad, uh, got transferred to Chicago, uh, when I was five. So my, all of my years are, are from, uh, Northwest side of of Chicago and Arlington Heights. Mm -hmm. And the, the, but when they got sick, I was at school, and uh, it's my dad. It started with my dad. They they both had lung cancer, and they died fourteen months apart. Uh, my dad my dad passed first, and then my mom uh, followed. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I my relationship was with my mother mostly because, you know, being the last on that train, my dad worked a lot. And at one time he had two companies going. And so, and my dad was also uh, an ordained deacon. Uh, we're Catholics and and he had a, you know, he played a role at church that took up a lot of his time. So most of my time, you know, was with my mom. Uh, mm-hmm. and And that was hard, you know, my uh certainly love my dad and you know our relationship uh um although not as tight like he had with his first son i mean i i understood the the where he was coming from yeah. but it really hit me with my mom and uh and to lose him at you know i was 32 and i mean you were you you were 24 when you, you lost your father that's it's young man and I felt like at, at 32, I was, you know, that's when I was getting close to this entrepreneurial leap I was talking about earlier. And, yeah. and you know, I didn't, I, and, and then I lost my parents mm. and I didn't have a resource to go back to and say, hey, like, dad, what'd you do here? Or yeah. how should I do, you know what I mean? I just, I didn't have their years and years of, of experience and knowledge to tap into. And, um, and, and then, you know, and then to, to, you know, realize that they're gone and, and I'm like, I'm only 32. Like I'm just starting to get, you know, my feet under me, yeah you know, making them proud and this, that, and the other. Um, but, you know, uh, one of the best classes I took in college was on death and dying. Yeah. Um, 
fabulous, fabulous course. Uh, uh, I don't know why I took it. I was just intrigued by it, um, that and religious studies. But, um, but you know, it's, um, it is a cliche, right? It's circle, circle of life, however you want to put it. So we're Irish in uh, my family, grandparents, both set of grandparents came from Ireland. And, uh, you know, we celebrate uh, the end. Sure. And um, sure, it's mournful and and, and, and you have sadness. Um, but we tend to revel in story and memories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, laughing, lots of laughter. Uh, and um, nobody lives forever. So, you know, well, I, 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 there's, a little, there's a little Latin thing that I like. I like to read philosophy. Uh, I like to read Stoicism. And um, there's a Latin saying, uh, memento more. Uh, you could die today. And so, you know, I'm learning um, to live for each day. You know, as, as a young man, and even, even at this age, I'll admit it, I'm, there's a part visionary in me who's looking out, right, beyond the horizon. Yeah. But... You know, as I've gotten older and you go through life and you lose people in your life, it's, um, uh, and you gain a little wisdom. I'd like to think I've gained a little wisdom as you introduced me. Um, and, and so I try to be intentional, you know, each day. Um, if you live too much in the future, hoping you're never going to get anything done and you're, you're going to miss out. And if you're spending too much time in the past, um, you're going to miss out because you're not going to get anything done. So I try to really just, you know, there's a little mantra I have. You know, I wake up every day and I want to do good. Uh, Somehow, somewhere today, I want to do good for someone else. Um, And... I want to do the best that I can at my job, you know, supporting our other coaches, um, supporting uh, internal people, supporting my clients. Um, But at the end of the day, I shut it off and I go home to my wife and I don't bring it home. At least I try not to. I still have my phone (laughs) and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm very intentional about it. Because I spent too many years, you know, chasing, chasing, chasing. And I started to think, gosh, if I do this, I'm going to be a little bit like my dad. And I'm going to be so engrossed in my work. I'm going to miss what really matters to me. And, you know, we're, we're a blended family, four kids, and uh, they're all adults. And, um, and they're, they're, they're launched and they're all, they've got their lives and they're living their lives in other States. And, uh, um, you know, that's part of it too. Uh, it would be great if you could keep everybody around you. It's, it's just not like that anymore. Um, you know, I know in my family and, uh, for sure with eight boys, I mean, we were spread to the winds sure. and, um, that's just a natural progression. And, uh, and hopefully they can retain, you know, the sort of the family nucleus and get together. But then all of a sudden you wake up and you're at the end. And so I didn't want to, I, I, I missed out 
enough building my first few businesses, um, I don't want to miss out anymore. So my priorities have changed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wake up, I follow a daily battle rhythm uh, that includes reading, journaling, prayer, and I start my day. I try to do good. And then when my day's done, I go home and, and I'm present with my wife and, um, you know, working on that relationship uh, without being distracted by, you know, work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just work's important. You know, we got to make money and provide services and fill gaps. But at the end of the day, um, if I did good today and I spent meaningful time with my wife, I'm good. Yeah. My cup's full. It's, you, it's just admirable that you've learned and then qualifying you, you uh, are having enough humility to say, you know, you don't have it perfect, right? You keep you're, you still have your phone on you, but it's admirable, admirable that you've, you've reached the point you've made the decision that, you know, it works over now. And now it's time to focus on, whatever it is, my, your, your relationship with your wife or maybe the kids are home or a neighbor or whatever, yeah. but, but work ends and then you can, you can just be you and not have that with you. Um, you know, Mike, Michael Hyatt talks about if we don't create that sort of structure, like work will fill in the white space, wherever, wherever you let it work, will just oh, yeah. fill it right up. Um, so, so the, that you've learned to do that is, is super admirable. What would you, so, so for somebody <laughs> because I've known a lot of entrepreneurs and struggle with this myself, even today, my wife and I do uh, as a, as a multi-business family. Um, how do you get started with that? Like what, what's the first step in, in, in drawing that line? You know, for me, uh, I, I, every year I send myself to some kind of training and last year, um, I went through a leadership training course with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. He's the owner of Rooftop Leadership, um, and uh, he's a client of mine. And um, and his uh, his new book is coming out, uh, Operation Pineapple Express. It's about uh, Afghanistan and what happened when uh, we pulled out of Kabul. It's a true story. It's an amazing story. And uh, I'm very excited for him. Uh, but in his in his leadership training course, I learned um, about a daily battle rhythm, and it's a, it's how you start your day, right? You know, uh, you'll hear some uh, you know the the military uh, uh, officer that gave the commencement speech that said, "Make your bed." Yeah, um, yep. I can't, but. Like the first thing you do is make your bed, right? So, so what Scott gave me was a um, framework to pull some discipline in starting every day. And so for me, my battle rhythm is uh, I'm generally up by between anywhere between probably six and six 15. And, uh, you know, obviously, wash your face, brush your teeth, walk the dog. I get those things out of the way. And that 
will put me at my, uh, I have uh, like a little uh, work uh, area in my garage and I go out to my garage. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I do is I'll open up um, one of my journaling books uh, and it is uh, from Ryan Holiday. Um, 365 meditation, daily meditations. Uh, it's called the daily stoic. And, uh, each day has a saying from a, a Greek philosopher, Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, any one of those. And then Ryan Halliday, uh, has a paragraph underneath it, basically translating the story into modern times. And so then there's a companion journal that goes with the, the Daily Stoic. So you, you open up that book to the appropriate date and it asks you one question based on um, the philosopher's quote. And then hmm. you have, uh, you know, about 10, 15 lines uh, on a quarter page that you can capture your thoughts. So you, there's no fear here. You, it's not like you have to become Hemingway. Um, it's all guided. So you read uh, and then you ask a question and you, you just answer the question and, you know, you're journaling. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first book. I do that. And then I do the five-minute journal. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a gratitude journal. Um, and it literally, you can fill out, you go to the page, it's one page uh, with three sections and a couple of questions in each section. Mm-hmm. And I do that. Uh, and then I read, I have a, a, like a daily prayer book. Um, this year, this book I have is from the, the Jesuits from Ireland. Uh, my brother was a Jesuit. So, uh, and then, um, I read the, I read the reading for the day and I, I think about that and I think about my relationship with God and, and, um, uh, just spend time in, in my faith, you know, and I do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I start my day. And, and my mantra, my mantra uh, is uh, I'm, fighting resi- I'm fighting resistance. I'm getting stronger. And there, uh, 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 I have two sayings. One is the obstacle in the path becomes the path. And then um, the other one is uh, dig deep for there is a fountain of goodness within you should you only keep digging. Mm. (laughs) And so I I, I say one of those and that's how I end my daily battle rhythm. And then I move on with my day. Cool. And that's helped me – that discipline of doing it every day has helped me to really kind of get things structured um, the way that I want them. It's interesting that I asked you how you became disciplined about kind of leaving work behind at night. And you shared with us how you start your day. And just want to point that out. Everything is so interconnected. You, you, know, you may think, well, what yeah. I, I start, my, I get up, I brush my teeth, I go to work. Um, but what I just heard was how you start the day is how you end the day. Like the two are so connected that you can't do one and ignore the yeah. other. Yeah. And, and, and actually in, um, 
my journals, uh, there is a nighttime exercise. Like, and it's real simple. It's like two lines, but it's right before you go to bed um, where you can maybe capture some thoughts at the end of the day. But um, when I, like I was saying earlier, when I come home, it's because it's like, like when you play ball, you want to leave it all out on the field, mm-hmm. all of it. And so, so when I start my day, my battle rhythm is what gets me up. I'm, I'm holding myself accountable and I'm staying disciplined to the mental work so that I, so that my brain can, can have clarity and, uh, less anxiety and I can go start the day. And then I put it all on the field during the day, just like you and, and all your listeners. But when that proverbial bell rings at the end of the day, if I've done my daily battle rhythm, I've left it all on the field. Now I get to go enjoy this other part of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Where I don't let any, I don't let anything interfere because it's that, meaningful to me and and and, um so just making that commitment to start my day uh you're exactly right it helps me end my day in the right way and i i don't feel any um you know when i was younger i'd feel guilty if i wasn't available yeah like i'm not working hard enough you know (laughs) and and uh yeah luckily I've, i've learned through those years of, you know, doing that, the mistakes, the, how much I missed out on, yeah. and I don't want to miss out on anything. That's, that's yeah. golden. That, that whole, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So as we, as we <clears throat> get close to the landing gears down, as we get close to landing the plane, um, I like to ask what's one important or impactful question that you would leave with our listeners? If two parts, if that's okay, sure. If you're if you're a boss, a manager, a leader, or an executive, walk up to a direct report and ask them two questions: How are you doing? Given all this stuff that's going on, in the, not just work but in the world, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And is there anything I can do for you this week? I, you know, Kim Scott wrote Radical Candor and, and, you know, I know you're, you read a lot Mm -hmm. like I do. And when I read that book, it was a game changer for me, you know, because, you know, she has a, a, she has a vertical access and a horizontal access that makes a two by two, right? And the vertical axis going north, going up, is the caring axis. And then the horizontal line going left and right is the give-a-damn axis, uh, willing, uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the challenge axis. So what, what Kim Scott says is you fundamentally first have to care about your people. If you're going to lead them, you fundamentally have to care. And the more you care for them, then you should be willing to directly challenge them 
in an effort to help them grow and become better. Yep. Right. Yep. So you have to care and you have to challenge. And, but it starts with care. And so, look, it's, we're two and a half years in uh, to this upside down world we've been living in. And, and, you know, people have been separated from one another and that's had an impact. I know it's had an impact on me. I'm an extrovert. Um, I think introverts loved it, <laughs> but, but, now more so than ever, culture is so important in a business. So if you're leading and managing people, spend some time one-on-one with your direct reports and just ask, hey, how are you doing? And, and is there anything I can help you with? Because I care. And, and uh, you know, I want them to know that. Um, so that's the, that's, that's the first answer. Yeah. Um, how am I doing? <laughs> no, that, that's, that's actually perfect. That's a, that's a great place to just to, to leave that with our listeners. Chris, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you. Um, for me personally, thanks for, for being part of creating and launching system and soul. Mm-hmm. I, I love this platform and everything that you're doing and Ben is doing everything that we're doing together. I can't wait. I'm so excited for the trajectory and to see where it goes. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time. Time is precious and yours is a gift and I appreciate it. So thanks for being on. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Listeners, I know if you're looking to get to connect further with Chris, uh, just go to systemandsoul.com. I I know you can find him there. Um, And if if that doesn't work out, feel free to reach out to me and I will patch you through somehow. Uh, And listeners, thank you so much. Uh, None of this would matter if you didn't tune in. Uh, So I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to all. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life.com. That's toddhalls.life, and I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.